Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Hey, everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Ice Sport Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Guys, around midnight last night, I'm like putting the outline together, just going, ah, what is there to talk about? And then suddenly stuff started happening all the way up until the point basically uh, I got up today. So let's just get right into it. Let's make the intros. Let's lead it off with the Athletic.com's own Charlie O'Connor. So this problem isn't just limited to hockey but I'm going to rant about it because it was hockey-related yesterday. It would be really nice if television networks didn't air the replay of a horrific injury like 20 times in a row. Like, I really don't need to see Vincent Trocek's leg literally snapping in half. I, I Like, show it to me once, that's fine. Show me what happened. But when it's on loop over and over again, it might just be a little bit overkill. I was going to say, because yeah. I immediately totally forgot about that and went right to Alex Smith's injury uh, for the Redskins the other day. And the only time I saw it, they just showed the play, didn't zoom in or anything, and literally just said, yeah, we're not going to show that to you again because it's gross, and moved on. I was like, you know what? That's probably the best way to go about it. In this yes. age, if you really have a thing for that, you want to go see something horrific, uh, the internet exists. You can. There's no need to listen when I hear uh, tibia and fibula, I just know, oh, his leg is pointing the wrong direction. I don't need a, I don't need a visual. I didn't actually it's... see Trochex. I saw the hit, but didn't like see what happened. Like he got tangled up and went down. I didn't actually see what happened. Uh huh. And then he's there screaming on the ice. Yeah. Like it's it's just it's too much. Um, now I am one who thinks that human bodies are fascinating. So even injuries so i do watch these things but i don't need them in my face like i'll go look for it i, I don't need you to re be replaying it over and over again and making her triumphant return you just heard her that's stephalicious d steph driver so i know that this is our rest of the nhl show so i'll start with there have been four coaches fired in the nhl this season la chicago oh right St. Louis, and Edmonton. I keep forgetting about Chicago, and it's funny because that's where we every coaching opening starts with, hey, when does the dude from Chicago get a second shot? And uh, uh -huh. I guess I'm going to go in chronological order here, so I got this well, alert. Well, the, the rest of my point oh. is not one of them is Dave Haxtall, well, and I think that that's an outrage. I, the Thank other you. ones haven't made the I, – I guess Q – I don't know. They, I don't know. It's – yeah, you're right, Steph. Uh, we are without Kelly in keeping with the, uh, we can only have one girl at a time on this show. Uh, well, according to the flyby again, there is only one girl <laughs> yeah. on the show. So, so we're going to go in chronological order here. Like I said, last night, sometime after midnight, I'm just sitting there putting this outline together and I get an update. I get an alert on my phone from ESPN blues fire Mike. Yo, like, Oh, Okay. Uh, our old pal Craig Berube will be taking over as the interim. And I really like this line. Um, let's see. Yeah, from an Elliot Friedman tweet. He was cover covering the press conference. 
Armstrong says Blues will undergo an in-depth search for next coach. Won't be a decision that's made over the next few days. Says he will throw full support behind Barubi until a final choice is made. <laughs> that doesn't sound like full support to me. I'm just going to be honest with you. It doesn't sound that all sounds like, full like yeah, this guy is the only one around. Uh, he owns a whistle, so he's our coach, <laughs> and he's our coach until I determine that I'm willing to pay Coach Q what he wants. Uh, I, I mean, in fairness, this was a better move than what they made after they let go of Laviolette instead of just naming Barubi head coach immediately, they slap the interim tag on there, which is nice and good. And that's what should be done for Craig Barubi. Yeah, it's fine. It is what I just thought that that full support quote was funny because that's <laughs> until yeah, that's not full support. Uh, the blues just kind of, I mean, fourth highest payroll in the NHL, according to cap friendly, they started the year 7-9-3, ahead of only L.A. in the Western Conference, dead last in the Central Division. Uh, Tarasenko only has six goals. Old friend Braden Shen only has four. Pareko's on pace for about 25 points. The whole team's really underachieving. We talk about Jake Allen and how he's just not a good goalie all the time. Of the 34 goalies with at least 10 games played, Jake Allen's 895 save percentage is tied with James Reimer, for fifth worst. So they're just kind of in turmoil. They have a ton of talent. They have to be better than they are. I mean, sub 500, I don't care how bad their goalie is. I'm watching a Flyers team for the last five years be be able to put together at least a 500 record with no goaltending. Yeah. I ju it, this came a few hours after the Blues were shut out by L.A. Uh, and a goalie who's making, you know, his third career at, uh, start. This team, man, they... I always have high expectations for the Blues, and this was the one year I was like, nope, not happening. But they're better than this, right? They should be. They absolutely should be. So, you know, their stars not really performing that well. Um, I know that uh, Shen was injured for a little bit, but that's really not that much of an excuse. It wasn't that long. Um, they're... they're in a really rough place and I don't know what it's going to take for them to turn it around. They just make so much sense for, for Quenville. They always have like the minute that Quenville got fired, you thought St. Louis just makes the most sense because I, I don't, I know everybody in Philadelphia wants Quenville because he's the big name and he's not named Dave Hackstall, but Quenville does not treat young players well either. That's what everyone in Chicago screamed about for the last really the last four or five years ever since the basically ever since they they stopped being a consistent cup contender is that Quenville leans too much on his veterans he doesn't give give young players playing time and even the veterans on the team basically would say off the record like I'm glad I didn't come up under Quenville because I wouldn't have got playing time had I've been a rookie under this guy. So I really don't think Quenville is a great fit for a team like the Flyers. I do think he's a great fit for a team like the Blues because the Blues are they should be winning now. That's what they've been built to do is to win now. And he's the he's a great coach to help you win now. He's a great coach for that that team that's expected to turn the corner and has a bunch of older guys who are who are in their prime and ready to just go for it. So to me, this is just it just makes too much sense to that they have and and that's why it makes perfect sense why they basically just gave that that thing to Barubi of yeah you're the interim and we we're behind you until we can work out a contract because they have to be talking to Quenville right now they have to be that's in and his it's, it's also a really good fuck you to the Blackhawks since they are their rivals yeah yeah 
Yeah, and Quenville was there. Uh, Armstrong was asked specifically about Quenville, and he said he won't discuss any one particular individual. But, like, all signs point there. It's like, Sounds like, like a yes to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, Char- like Charlie said, as soon as Q got fired um, in Chicago, it was, hey, we can get rid of this Mike Yo guy and get the uh, coach who, you know, right in our own division has tortured us for the last decade. Uh, maybe we should do that. Is it a good job though? Like when, uh, and I'm, we're going to get into this with Edmonton as well. Like these jobs where you think there's a ton of talent, but have so, and Edmonton, there's just one super talented guy, but yeah. Like, and, and dry, dry settles good. Yeah. But beyond those two, dry it's pretty much. Yeah. Bad. Like the blues we've been saying for years have had a ton of talent, but haven't been able to really accomplish anything under any coach is it a good job you know i i think yes because i can't imagine a world in which a a team that vladimir tarasenko is on wouldn't at least be competitive period that's the end of the the thought (laughs) i thought that there was more i i i can't you know they've got a good lineup on paper for some reason, they just can't execute. I, I think that this is a good team. They just they need to get defense and goal scoring under control, which sounds you know a lot like a team that we're much more intimately familiar with. I, I think they're just and and you can't you can't overstate the impact of having bad goaltending. Like Jake Allen is not a good goalie, and Jake Allen is not a good goalie who is playing poorly. So that makes everything look worse. And I'm not even I don't even think that Mike Yo is a terrible coach. They're just in a position where they had to fire him because everything is just kind of going off the rails. Your goalie sucks. Your team isn't scoring. And the easiest thing to do is just fire the coach and get a a guy who, like, I don't think Yo is awful, but I'm strongly confident that Quenville is a lot better. So if you can bring him in to replace Mike Yo, you got to do it. You've you've got so much tied up in this we got to win now type of thing. Go get a coach who can help you win now. And Mike Yo is probably more of a mediocre coach than a bad coach. But if you have the chance to upgrade from mediocre to great, I think you have to do it. Yeah, that's the. It seems like Yo is. You know how I say all coaches are bad. Like we're talking about Coach Q. It's it's great and all that he leans on his veterans. And if you have the Chicago Blackhawks mid dynasty, it's okay to play Taves and Kane and freaking Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook thirty minutes a night. But as your team starts to age and you need to integrate some young guys, not the best thing in the world. Mike Yo, uh, 73, 48, and 11 with the Blues, following a 173, 132, and 44 record with Minnesota from 2011 to 2016. Uh, he has never been beyond the second round. The funny thing about this news, Charlie, you, uh, you pointed out that it was just, especially if it's to go get Q, which it may be, um, like they've been, sh- yes, you can't understate how how bad their goaltending is and how bad that makes everything else look. But that team should score, and they've been yeah. shut out in two straight and three of their last four. You know, you play L.A., who's John Quick is out for who knows how long. They're last in the league or last in the West at least, and they're starting a guy named Cal Peterson making his third start. This is just all right, man. If you want to blame Jake Allen, that's fine. But there's no reason this team can't score a goal. And Wish actually pointed out in his article for ESPN, interestingly, 
the team released this news only a few minutes after the completion of the Monday Night Football Classic between the L.A. Rams, formerly of St. Louis, and the Kansas City Chiefs, who play in a part popular market for the Blues in a, in a game that dominated sports conversation. Now, the timing of it, like, a lot of times I'll buy into this stuff. Like, I very much believe the teams in Philadelphia try to steal headlines from each other when possible. This just seems more like a coincidence, but... I mean, they didn't do it right after the game. They waited for the end of the Monday night football game. I just, it, I thought it was funny that they pointed it out. I almost wonder, to be honest, I think it may have been the reverse. Like, because there's a lot of times that, that people just assume with the Flyers that they kind of news dump something when no one's going to be paying attention. I think this was more, they were firing him and they wanted to at least get some type of attention on it. So they wanted to, because if they would have dumped this in the third quarter, which is probably when they actually fired him, then literally no one in the area would have been paying attention because everybody's actually watching the football game. You wait until after the game's done, at least somebody might care. That's actually a good point, Charlie. One single person. Well done, Charlie. It's like you're a journalist or something. <laughs> making all these good points. Uh, so I said, like, as I was putting this together, I get the blues lose, blues lose. I got the blues news last night. Don't make that face at me, Steph. Uh, I was making the face at Missy, oh, okay. actually. She just <laughs> shook her head and it hit the couch. It was a whole I thing. I mispronounce shit all the time. This shouldn't be new. Uh, Todd, no, when I Missy. woke up today, I just woke up to the news. And yes, that is my schedule. Uh, I woke up to the news that Todd McClellan is out in Edmonton and Ken Hitchcock is in. So Hitch gets that job. And this was the first thing that came to my mind. Like, I wasn't, I, I don't know if Coach Q is going to coach this year or whatever. But that the Blues haven't named a coach yet, and they're just going with an interim for Baruby. And Edmonton just went, yeah, we'll just bring in Hitch, whatever. Tells me that Q is either not coaching this year or they're already negotiating in St. Louis. Um, and this is where I just wanted to go with this. Do you think Edmonton is a desirable job? Like, is getting to coach the best player in the world worth the nonsense of the Edmonton market? the Edmonton dysfunction, the lack of talent beyond the top line. Like, this is from a Rob uh, Tychowski tweet. Edmonton under owner Daryl Katz. From 2009 on, they finished 21st, 30th, 30th, 29th, 24th, 28th, 28th, 29th, 8th, 23rd, and they are currently sitting at 26th. So here's my thought on that. My original thought was, no, it's not, because you still have the, the nonsense that Chiarelli is going to continue to pull is, is definitely going to be a deterrent. I mean, anybody who knows this league knows that, that shit has been wrong there for a while. Um, that being said, if I were to be guaranteed millions of dollars... And if I was confident that I was good at my job, wouldn't I want to be the person that turned around that franchise? Wouldn't I want to be the person that got Connor McDavid his cup? I, I think, I think, yes. I think that piece is desirable. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if, if I'm an established guy like Q, I don't know if I love this, this job because there, this roster is just so flawed beyond McDavid and Dreisaitl that I don't know if I can turn it around quickly. However, if I'm a young coach, 
I'm dying for this job. Like if if I'm a coach that hasn't been in the NHL yet, maybe he's been or maybe he's been an assistant but never got a head coaching job, then I'm I'm itching for this job because to what Steph said, you can become the hero, you can build this team up and institute your type of thing, but if I'm a if I'm a Q, I'd rather go to San to St. Louis rather than than Edmonton because I just think St. Louis as crazy as it sounds is closer because they just have a better all-around roster. Yeah, you have McDavid. You have McDavid and Edmonton. But beyond McDavid and Dreisaitl, you really don't have much because Shirelli has just basically ruined this team, and he's ruined this team to a degree that uh, you know it's going to take a couple years to, to fix it, I think. I, I don't think this is a quick fix. You need to turn over this roster, and you need to fire Shirelli. It's, things, things aren't going to get better, in my mind, until Shirelli gets there. And I think the reason why they got Hitch was because Hitch is from the area. And this is for Hitch, this is a great way for him – if this doesn't work for Hitch, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Be- because he's already built his legacy. He's already won cups. Like, he's done everything he needs to do. If this doesn't work, this is just, oh, yeah, remember when he finished his career at Edmonton and it didn't work for that three quarters of a season? Yeah, who cares? Remember when he won the cup in Dallas? Yeah, that was great. Like, for him, this is perfect because he gets to go home and the there's little downside and there's a lot of upside. But for a coach who's still in the heart of his career, no, I don't think I'd want this job. Yeah, that was because I, 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 I thought the same thing as you, Charlie. Like, as great as it might be to coach, uh, to to get to coach McDavid and basically get to just go, hey Connor, go do something like, and that's your job for a third of the game. Um, like, I don't know if it's worth going there, especially if I'm an established guy, which is what made Hitchcock interesting to me because third winningest coach in NHL history, 823 wins, won the Cup in Dallas in '99 has a Jack Adams under his belt. It just seems like an interesting hire if uh, it simply is just like, you know, I'm going to see how this goes. And there's really no commitment beyond this year for either him or the team. And it's just, yeah, let's let's literally see how it goes. I guess it makes a little more sense than when I saw it, you know, this afternoon now that I've had some time I to mean, digest it. It's, it's a defensive-minded coach with a team that has very little defense. Like, okay. I, and that's I, I mean, really, they have very little anything at this point, Fair. aside from McDavid. Fair. And I feel like that's the thing is, this has been the Hitchcock experiment, his last couple of stops. Like, hey, we, uh, we, have, we have a high-octane offense, and we let in way too many goals. Let's bring in Ken Hitchcock, and he'll just make us better defensively. It's like, yeah, but... Probably not. Like, he can't make you be good at defending. Yeah. Yeah. I I just... I... We've talked about this in the show before because obviously Edmonton's a big topic of conversation because they're just such a raging dumpster fire. But it's just... It's mind-boggling to me that Peter Shirelli and the Edmonton Oilers were gifted Connor McDavid. And basically, since the day they got Connor McDavid, rather than saying, we have maybe the fastest functional player in the NHL in its history. And they got him, and their response to that was, we need to get better defensively around him. Like, they instead, what they should have done, which would have been freaking awesome, is if they were like, hey, we've got the fastest player in hockey as our first-line center for the next 15 years. Let's build a really friggin' fast team around him and pressure teams to death, used letting McDavid give us our identity. And instead, Shirelli was like, nope. We, we have one really fast guy, so let's just surround him with a bunch of big, slow bruisers, and that's how we're going to win our cup. 
and all this Hitchcock, and I actually, I like Hitchcock. I think Hitchcock is a good coach. I think Hitchcock is a little too much shit from advanced stat people. I think he's he's more I think he's more advanced in terms of way his way of thinking that people give him credit for. But what he is is an incredibly defensively oriented coach. And yeah. all this seems to me is Shirelli just doubling down on this idea that the Oilers cannot be fun to win a cup. The Oilers, in order to get the most out of Connor McDavid, we can't just let him be Connor McDavid. We have to shackle him and shackle the whole team because only checking and physicality and defense can win championships like no you had the blueprint and you just threw it aside because it didn't fit your idea of what an nhl contender should look like like and there are so few guys who could like keep up with mcdavid and match his skill level like not match it but be able to play with him at the speed and skill level and they actually had him in Taylor Hall. And, yes. Like I, I hate to read <laughs> Like I hate to re-legislate it because it's over. You're kicking a dead horse at this point. But you actually had though maybe one guy who would have fit perfectly with him if you just gave it some time, and then you wouldn't have the oh well maybe we just need to load up with Drysaitel and and McDavid on the top line. Like no, Drysaitel could be your two C, and you'd have two functional lines right there. But now they have to. They have to go the the high powered one line because they don't have anyone. Else. And we're gonna get into Chirelli now because earlier in the, or last week or since last show at some point the uh, the Edmonton Oilers traded forward Ryan Strom to the New York Rangers for forward Ryan Spooner because you can only trade a Ryan for a Ryan uh, <laughs> on Friday. That's when it was. Uh, Spooner will be 27 in January. One goal, one assist. One goal, one assist in 16 games with the Rangers this year. In two games with Edmonton, he doesn't have a point. Strom, 25. One goal, one assist in 18 games at Edmonton. In two games with the Rangers, he hasn't scored a point. If Pete's going to make trades, they need to be funnier. Like, this isn't a good trade, but it's not nearly funny enough. Well, you need you need to expand your thinking. This is all he was all he was doing was fixing his mistake for getting the wrong Strom. <laughs> like Strom Strom for Andrew McDonald. Now that's funny. That is a funny. You know trick. this one Spooner for Strom. It's just eh. Like this is the this is the Haglin for Pearson trade. Eh, whatever. Like this is. I'm so sick of looking at your face, wrong Strom. <laughs> I need to get someone else. Yeah, somebody put this on Twitter. I forget who it was after the trade happened, but it was 100% right. And it was like, all this trade serves to do is remind everyone how badly he got killed in the Eberly strom deal. Yep. Like, this trade does nothing else other than be like, oh, yeah, they got Ryan Strom because they traded Jordan Eberly for him. That was really good. It just it just served as a reminder of how stupid Shirelli is. Not that this trade in and of itself was necessarily awful. It just reminded you of the awful trade that preceded it. Yeah, this trade is nothing. I just wish it was funnier. Like, Pete makes good, hilarious trades. I need to see more of them. Can we just start calling him Pete? Yeah, that's what I'm hey, doing. Hey, Pete. Yeah. He, he, gets his, he gets to be Peter again when he gets fired. <laughs> so, I, I, we're going to move on, but I just want to know, yeah, what's up with the Rangers? Because uh, they they're part of this trade, so I just wanted to ask, what's up with their 8-1-1 in their last 10? Currently second in the Metro, behind only Columbus, as everyone you know, predicted the standings would look the week of Thanksgiving. As we all drew it up. Uh, like, what is going on with the Rangers? Is it just, uh, Hank had a good start, and he seems to be turned, and he had a weird middle, and is good again, but, I like, are they good? I believe that 
the rumors of Lundquist's demise are, were just greatly exaggerated. He's still an incredible goalie. Yeah, I'm just kind of annoyed that, like, the the Rangers might have gotten the good college coach. <laughs> that is the, annoying. The one good one. <laughs> well, so here's the other thing, and it doesn't really have anything to do with the Rangers, but it looks like the Penguins are shitting the bed. So we still get one in the division that, you know, is may not make the playoffs. Oh, no, Steph. And, and I, I think the Rangers are going to fall back to Earth. Yeah. I, I do. I think they will, too. Yeah. Like, I just don't think they're that good. But they seem like... They seem well coached so far. Like they they're they're not out shooting other teams, but they are out. Are they're they're winning the scoring chance battle? It seems like they're playing a pretty. Uh, I wouldn't say an up tempo style, but they're playing an intelligent style, uh, especially considering the talent they have on hand. They just don't have a lot of star power. Their defense doesn't look that good on paper, and you would think they're probably going to start trading people away at some point, unless they somehow stay in the playoff mix. But it looks like they found a good coach, and that's important. Kevin Hayes for 3C. Um, yeah, the Flyers play the Rangers on Black Friday. Like, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the Rangers up close because, going to be honest with you, haven't watched a ton of Rangers games this year because why would I? Their second-leading <laughs> scorer is Mika Zibanejad. Like, again, not a bad <laughs> player, but, like, if he's my team's second-leading scorer, I'm assuming my team isn't very good. Uh, and they're doing they're doing all right there. Uh, what did I, there was something, I feel like there was something else I wanted to say about this, but I don't remember. That they're winning? Yeah. And it sucks? Yeah. Oh no, Steph, that's what you said, uh, about the Penguins, about the Penguins shitting the bed. You weren't there last night. We actually discussed this on Broad Street Hockey Radio on Monday night. Um. I haven't listened yet. Shit. Yeah. Sorry. Well, Charlie actually pointed out that, uh, Brian Elliott, if he hits his timeline, will be back December 1st, which is the Penguins game. And Good. not quite ready Brian Elliott against the Penguins is exactly the recipe for them getting back on track. So Fuck. Bad. <laughs> um, no, just throw the kid out there. Put Alex Lyon against the Penguins. It's fine. Put Carter Hart in. Fuck it. It's fine. Let's see Felix Sandstrom. Call him up. All right. They're so, watching watching Penguins fans disintegrate is my favorite imagine thing. Imagine being that ungrateful. My favorite favorite thing in the world so from what i hear matt murray's father died oh oh geez. i don't know i don't know when um but that's something that has been plaguing him obviously as yeah, no shit. As, <laughs> as what would one would expect yeah he's a, a young guy dies. he's like in his 20s early 20s yeah like i can't imagine that that's something that was expected so all i see are people saying that he needs to have that mental toughness and bounce back. How long can one mourn for? Like, <laughs> you guys need to get a fucking grip on reality here. He just won you two yeah, cups. Yeah, I was going to say, this fucking pussy and his two cups he's led us to. Like, <laughs> like get, get a grip. Take it well, off, get a, get a grip on reality, please. Well, I 100% agree with you that, and I, Bill, what did you say? Like, you basically just said it's really funny watching them implode. I feel exactly what what you said. I said, how ungrateful like, can you be? Yeah, how ungrateful. That's the way you put it. And I want to agree with you, and there's nothing I enjoy more than than watching Penguins fans cry, but I then think to what Eagles fans are doing right now with the Eagles, oh, yeah. right after winning a Super Bowl, and it's like, nah, we'd be doing the exact same shit. Uh, but, like, like, to blame Matt Murray as if he hasn't already matched Bernie Perrant's level of su success in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> like, and he's got, uh, what, 
10 more years of a career at least like all right so Steph we're gonna Look, talk- I'm, I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong oh, no I'm I know. just saying I'm just saying that hockey fans as a whole are horrible oh yeah we're the worst <laughs> we're, we're absolute sports fans, sports fans. we're all bad yeah we're uh, sports bring out the absolute worst in everybody um you're not wrong so Steph you're uh you're grown adult sons Toronto yeah. The the Maple Leaves, uh, ha- love them. They've gone seven three and zero without Austin Matthews, and their coach Mike Babcock would like to remind everybody that they also came back from a two zero deficit the night Matthews got hurt, uh, because he's a company man and he's already negotiating trying to keep his best players price down. <laughs> uh, Charlie. I love I love the Athletic. I'm a subscriber. Anyone out there who doesn't subscribe to the Athletic should do it. But the uh, the headline for this article that I think I uh, maybe I didn't link it. Oh yeah, I did link here. How the Maple Leaves have have survived without their best player, as if <laughs> as if uh, how have they survived? Because they have John Tavares and he's not their best player. <laughs> like yeah, that's how yeah. they've survived. And exactly. it's just like Frederick Anderson's been playing out of his mind. He's been good all year, but in these he started eight of these ten games. Matthews hasn't played. He's got a nine fifty five save percentage. Uh, Tavares has six goals and twelve points in the ten games. Marner has eleven assists and thirteen points. Like Morgan Riley uh, or Mo Ur as Jonas Siegel, who is or who is not Marshall from How I Met Your Mother. Uh, he's a writer for the Athletic. Um, <laughs> Morgan Riley is only the fourth defenseman in the last 30 years to have nine goals and 26 points after 21 games, joining some guys you might have heard of. Al McGinnis, Steve Steve Duchesne, and Brian McCabe. Like, this team has some serious talent. But if Anderson and Riley really are this good, and Matthews isn't even back yet, and Marner's doing his thing, they already have Tavares, uh, Kasperi Kapanen's been breaking out, how far down the list of priorities really is William Nylander? Well, I, I I think that, you know, everybody is talking about William Nylander and how he hasn't signed yet, but I don't think anybody's really talking about how absolutely fucking absurd it is that we're now yeah. at the end of November and he still hasn't signed yet. This is absolutely fucking absurd. Yeah, I mean, we have it's 10 days till he's ineligible to play. No, uh, December 1st is the deadline. Is he really going to pull a Le'Veon Bell and just not show up for a whole season? I, I have no idea. I, I am I, I, I'm flabbergasted. That's the only word that I can come up with whenever I really think about this situation. I don't have a clue how, how neither side can come to an agreement at this point. At least, like... For a year, like yeah. get him on the ice. This yeah. is this is absolutely fucking absurd. Yeah, and I think, I, I think one thing, and this this may, I, I don't think this is the reason why, but like this might help to explain why Flyers fans are so pissed off. It's just that like windows aren't open for as long as you think they are, nope. and right now for Toronto the window is wide open. And to me, like, like. I get that they're trying to keep this together in the sense that they want to they want to keep the Elanders cap it down as long as you know as low as possible so they can still sign Marner and they can still sign Matthews and they can keep everybody they want to keep. But like man, this might be their year. You're talking about how good this team looks without Nylander, and and Bill's response was, "Well, do they really need him?" It's like no. Imagine how freaking awesome they would be with him. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
I'm just, it's not do they really need him. I know, like, add a, if he doesn't progress at all, he's a 60-point player. Add that to a lineup with all this freaking talent. Like, yeah, you're going to score a shit ton of goals. And thinking about what it takes to win championships, even if it's just the one when your goalie's having a career year and your number one defenseman's having a career year and your, uh, like your number two defenseman's in a contract year, so he's trying to show out. Like, and then all these things are coming together. I, I can't believe it's just not, we're going to pay you available cap space for the rest of this year on a prorated deal, and then we'll figure out something long-term over the summer. Like, I, I, I just, I can't believe not wanting to do it. But I, I never thought it was going to come to this. Is it time to seriously consider a Nylander trade? Like, well, you've got to. So the the thing that Charlie mentioned, or maybe it was Bill. I don't know. I only half listened to you guys. So I mean, we're basically the same. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so you've got the other big contracts coming up. Now, William Nylander is their friend. Like these guys hang out together. They're friends and teammates. Now, what does this look like to Mitch Marner? What does this look like for Austin Matthews? Do you think that this makes them much more excited to sign a long-term deal with this team that is stringing along their friend? I think it's just as much about, like... It's absurd. It's absurd to me. It's absurd. Like, it's... I hope everyone looks at it like a business. Like, yes, they're... It's not like... They haven't offered Nylander anything. I, I kind of disagree with the idea that they're stringing him along. I don't know that William Nylander's worth the $8 million he's looking for. Maybe he will be one day, but if you're looking to sign that contract right now, he's not. He's a 60-point player, not an 80-point player. I see what you're saying, but I'm But I have a serious question. That it's absurd. I do have a serious question for you, Steph. The Uh Leafs are all, they are nothing, the headlines are nothing but the Leafs. You know, they're winning a bunch of games. They have this massive talent. They get Tavares in the offseason. Nylander's the big subject of everything. So we're hearing about the Leafs nonstop. If they don't win the cup this year, will you be tired of them by next season? Because you get tired of teams real fast. I do get tired you get of teams sick real of teams fast. Teams I, think, real, I, think, real fast. I think after next year, if they don't win the cup after next year, then they we might we might be in a very complicated relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which which is fine up until you know the lockout. It'll be alright. It'll, It'll be, be okay. okay. But yeah, like, like going back to God, going back to the Nylander thing, like they I don't think I think a lot of a lot of Toronto fans that are starting to just get this idea of, well, we don't need him. You're right. You don't need him to come back and beat the Blue Jackets. You don't need him to beat the Flyers on Saturday. You might need him to beat the Lightning in the conference final or the Predators in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. And that's sort of what I'm what I'm looking at if I'm if I'm a Toronto fan that you know, yeah, we're beating up on these crap teams or these okay teams, but I want a cup. And mm-hmm. Like just, I would be I would be blown away if they and, and it's not punning this year because the playoffs are a crapshoot. You could theoretically win a cup without without Nealander this year, but it makes it a, a significant. It makes it significantly easier to do so if you have William Nealander in your team. It doesn't hurt. No, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, I'd be at this point right now, seeing what the potential of my team would be. I would say I'm going to overpay you with available cap space this year, and then we will work something out that works for both sides this summer. I realize they had all last summer to do that as well, but 
when you see the window like this, and like you said, Charlie, when you run into, like, say they get all the way to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, we're good. We're deep. We can beat anybody. But then you see the Predators rolling out that top four for 45, 50 minutes. It would be nice to have some depth, you know? Like, imagine Nylander. Imagine Casper. Uh, I keep wanting to call him Kaspinen. Uh, Kasperi Kapanen, like, on that third... <laughs> we all know who you're talking about, so it's fine. On that third line, on that third line with Kadri, like, all of a sudden, now we have the depth to compete with them. I just, like, this is it, man. Go get it done. But, hey, whatever. They're not the Flyers. Screw them. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> I like them. I like watching them. I'm looking forward to seeing them on them. Saturday. Right now, I love them more than the Flyers, well. so... <laughs> So, That's right. on the Quote show me. last night, on BSH Radio on Monday, we talked about the American Thanksgiving benchmark. And uh, 80, nearly 80% of teams that have been in playoff position at American Thanksgiving make the playoffs. Last year, that, uh, that, you know, that dropped down to 69%, uh, which is pretty nice. But, like, we saw the Flyers scratch their way back and get into playoff positions. Some other teams fall out. But it brings us to the topic of the Buffalo Sabres. The Buffalo Sabres are currently in playoff position. Uh, They are just... uh, There was an article about them on ESPN.com where uh, Sasha Chandon, Wish, and Emily Kaplan uh, wrote a couple paragraphs debating whether they're actually a playoff team. Right now, they're third in the Atlantic with 28 points behind Tampa with 29 and Toronto with 30. So... That big three in the Atlantic, not the three teams we thought it was. Uh, Flyers play Buffalo on Wednesday night hockey this week, so we'll get a chance to see them up close. They've won six straight. They've got the elements. I'm not saying that this is their year, but I'm saying if they're a year ahead of schedule, they have all the elements. They're a really, really interesting case. Um, And we know that I just generally dislike Buffalo for a variety of reasons, but maybe you've gotten place. it together with this is, is, is it really a variety or is it just one reason, Steph? No, it is a, a whole variety of reasons. It's not just the hair? Not just the hair, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, it's also a general disdain for the city. There's a lot going on there. Okay. Um, it's a gray place. It's always gray there. It's That's a problem. It's always gray. I, I respect, you know, some... Lake effect snow. I respect that. <laughs> Lake but effect snow. That's, that's about as far as it goes. Um, they're an interesting case because I didn't think that they would be able to have a season that was better than Boston. That was better than... Um, no, that was about it. You know, Tampa... What, Tampa and Toronto are ahead of them right now? By, a yeah. point, by one and two points. Like, they're a half a game Shit. and a game ahead. Shit. I mean, that's tight. I, I don't... I don't know what's going on in the Atlantic because apparently Montreal doesn't suck and neither does Ottawa. I don't know what's going on over there. Montreal is going to lose 9 of 10 as soon as Weber comes back. Oof. Probably. <laughs> yeah. I, I know we, we kind of, you know beat you know kind of beat this over and over again but like it's still pretty early in the season i don't think buffalo is a playoff team if they're a playoff team i think they're a wild card team they're i don't think that they're going to be able to beat out any of the metro wild card teams well there you go and i don't yeah. th- i it, right now they what's hurting boston is three 
Yeah, like Boston's entire defense is is injured basically right now. Eventually, they're going to come back. And, like, yeah, losing Bergeron sucks for them. He's going to be out for at least a month. But I I have to think that that team is too good not to get on a run in the second half and just blast by Buffalo. Like, yeah, Buffalo has Rasmus Dahlin, and he's looking like the real deal. But they're still using him as their fifth defenseman. And the rest of that defense is not very good. I just don't see them holding up. Yeah, that's like there. I guess they could continue to progress as the season goes along, but if I had to guess, simply because of the lack of experience, I don't know if they're going to hold up. And I did think that this team maybe was. We talked about fun losers last night, or last night, and we've talked we talked about it in our division previews. Like I did think the Canucks would, you know, be a little more fun, if not winners, but fun to watch. Uh, and I thought the same thing about Buffalo in that. They have some talent, and they have some guys coming around. I know Steph hates Jack Eichel, but like, he's a pretty damn good guy. The Jeff Skinner, pretty damn good player. Uh, the Jeff Skinner trade's working out for them, so it's coming along. I'm interested. It just so happens these are the teams I chose to talk about uh, tonight, and the Flyers are going to see all of them, you know, up close pretty soon. So we're maybe get a, a better sense as we get to see that, but. Hey, can I can I go on a rant oh, here? Oh, sure, please. Oh, please. All right, so Buffalo. Let, let's go through their defense right now. They have Rasmus Dahlin, who is I he's either eighteen or nineteen. I'm not sure what his what his birthday falls. Um, he is he is eighteen. He doesn't turn nineteen until April. So they have an eighteen year old. They have Jake McCabe, who Rasmus Ristolainen, who kind of sucks. Zach Bogosian, who kind of sucks. Marco Scandell, who's the epitome of average. Nathan Beaulieu, who Montreal freaking gave up on. And they have the sixth best penalty kill in hockey. Okay? This is an awful defense that kills penalties better than 25 teams. How is Ian LaPerrier still coaching a penalty kill? (laughs) That's a good question, Charlie. (laughs) Oh, God. Do you ever cry? Maybe Phil Housley's just a good coach. Oh, Jesus Christ. I think that's it. I think Charlie has killed us. I think. <laughs> yeah, because I definitely want to die now. Hey, You're uh, telling uh, me what? Buffalo has the sixth best, sixth best penalty kill? Yes, 82.3%. And the Flyers are, are where? 29, 30, 31? Dead last. Yeah, they're oh, last now. Oh, hey, 32! Yeah, Tampa, Tampa pushed them all the way to the bottom. Um, I will, Charlie, I will not accept Rasmus Ristolainen in slander. He's just misunderstood. He doesn't suck. <laughs> okay. okay. He's just misunderstood. Get him Aww, in the right that's role. What, that's how I feel about Robert Haig. Get him in the right role, and he's fine. Fair. Okay. I, I, I'm willing to accept that. Pair him with Robert Haig. We'd have a great third pair. <laughs> all right, guys. You're not wrong. That is all the time we have for you on Ice Sport Radio this week, unless anyone else has anything they want to talk about. Oh, Hextall's got to be number five. He's got to be number five, right? <laughs> no, Steph, it's not happening. Shit. Unless, Fuck. if you haven't listened to the show yet, then you haven't heard my rant about how the 10-game losing streak is upon us. If that happens, then maybe. But well, uh, give here, that a listen a, and maybe find here's out. Here's a theory, Bill. Here's one more theory before, before we So the Flyers play the Blues in early January. If you think about it, the Flyers got L.A.'s coach fired. L.A. got St. Louis's coach fired. Maybe St. Louis will get the Flyers' coach fired. It's our turn. It's an endless circle, so we just have to wait until early January when the Blues play the Flyers. It's a straight-up love triangle here. I'm I'm (laughs) down with it. 
it's like it's like the goalie carousel where they just moved <laughs> the the starting goalies. Oh, Let's geez. just do that. All right, so that is it now. Thank you for that, guys. Uh, that's all the time we have for you on Ice Sport this week. Thank you for listening. If you don't, please subscribe to the Broad Street Hockey Radio feed, especially if you're a Mac user. Go to iTunes, subscribe, write a review, give us those five stars. Very much appreciated. We can use uh, all the help we can get from you, our loyal listeners, who we love so very much. For Charlie and, and so, oh, go ahead. Just a little piece about ratings. We are competing with the NFL, so the more five star ratings that you can get us, the better it looks for hockey in general. Yeah, so gang. If give us those five stars, please. If you don't want hockey treated like a niche sport, treat it like it deserves to be uh, in those uh, in that top three with the other ones. Go out there, subscribe, spread the word of Broad Street Hockey. For Steph and Charlie, my name is Bill Matz. Have a great week, everybody. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, Maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.